Hi, my name is Judley Zaruba Fountain. I am a well-being specialist and founder of Empower Possible. I'm so excited to share with Pearl today. Hey, everybody. Welcome back to another Conversations with Pearl. I'm so excited to have you here again today. And you guys know we're all about self-care here, and today is no different. So grab a pen and paper because you're going to get some great tips and some great lessons that I want you to not miss and look back on your notes later because we are talking to Julie Zaruba Fontaine, who is a well-being specialist who specializes in, in health promotion and change management. She has her MBA in change and leadership and MS in health, nutrition, and exercise science, over 10 years of experience guiding leaders and learners from a state of overwhelm, stress, and procrastination into a state of action. She strives to build a world where all can thrive through her work as a consultant, public speaker, and facilitator. And when she's not facilitating and consulting, you can find her hiking, biking, and paddling in the great outdoors. Welcome to the show today, Julie. Great to have you. Hey, thanks so much for, for having me. We are so excited to have you here today. So I love this because we're talking about being, being out in nature, all of that great stuff. So tell us a little bit about yourself and what led you to the journey you're at today. Sure. Uh, so as the bio shared, I'm a well-being specialist and founder of Empower Possible. And what I do at Empower Possible is work with those that are interested in joyful success and growth. And oftentimes we find ourselves in these a state of being overwhelmed by our lives, but we we feel called to do something greater. We just don't quite know what it is. Or maybe you're working with a team or you're working with a local organization that you volunteer with. And you know that there is something, there's more potential out there. You just can't bridge the gap between where you are and where you want to be. And that's where Empower Possible comes in as we help in a holistic way take you from where you are to where you want to be through the empowerment model, which is something I came up with um, based off of my 10 years of experience in my education and through what I call the three empowerments of self, social, and systems. I love that. And there's so much need to bridge that gap because sometimes we do, we, we, we're like, how do I get from there to, to get it all put together? And I love that you are putting that together for your clients and for all of us. And I'm excited to learn today. And so tell us about the bridging the gap. Give us a little walkthrough of what that can look like for us. Yeah, for a lot of people, when you're in that point of transition or you want to make a change, you're just not quite sure where to go. So what that looks like with folks is starting with the why. Why do you want to make that change? Thinking about how does that change impact your life? How confident are you in making that change? How ready are you for making that change? And what are the abilities that you have to support that change? Then what we would do um, if I'm working with you as a, a client or working with your team or organization would look at how self, yourself, the skills that you have can support that change. Look at your social networks. So your friends, family, the organization that you work with, the team that you work with, what's involved in that process. And then we also look at the system. So there are systems that impact us in our daily lives. Some of them are seen and some of them are unseen. And going through those three layers is really where we find success in making change and reaching our goals. 
Yeah, I mean, really knowing your why. And then, and then I like the part about the how, right? And breaking that down. Uh-huh. And it's so important. I'm glad you brought up, you know, it, ourself, number one, first, but then our family, our friends, and all those that are connected around us and how they affect ourselves and, and how we let them affect ourselves too plays in a big part is how are we achieving our why? That's a lot when we talk about that. We have a group of women called the Shira League, and we talk about that as well in the group coaching sessions and the and the meetup that we do about, you know, who is on your balcony, who is stopping you from getting and achieving your why and and who maybe is clouding up what your why is for you because you're taking on their stuff. Right. And I, I love that. I love to share that, share that with us. And so let's talk about the, you, you know, the, the exercising and the nutrition. How does that all come into play with what everybody's doing? Yeah, absolutely. Uh, fundamental to well-being and making change is setting yourself up for success so that you you feel well enough to make that change and to make sustained change. And exercise is something that really contributes to well-being. And I, sometimes when we think of exercise, it can be really off-putting to some folks because they think, I don't want to go to the gym. I'm not interested in doing that. But there's lots of different ways to move your body. And what is great about exercise is sometimes even in 10 minute snacks, I like to call them exercise snacks. You can take a little exercise snack 10 minutes throughout the day. And what exercise does is that it not only makes you stronger, but it prepares you to deal with stress. So exercise is a great stress management tool because when you use exercise and you complete exercise and are physically active, your body becomes more accustomed, your lungs get stronger. So we need we need that uh, oxygen to our brain. It gets better able to handle that and process that. And your muscles get stronger. They can better react to whatever is happening in our world and your heart gets stronger. So all of those things combined contribute to um, our well-being. And so that's that's the importance of exercise. It's a great stress management tool, especially if you exercise out in nature. So maybe that's going for a walk for you or a run. I mentioned I'm I live on Lake Superior, so going out for a paddle. Um anything in the, in nature too is like a double whammy. You get the effects of nature, which is great, and then you get exercise. And going into nutrition, nutrition can get complicated really easily. You can get really overwhelmed with all of the fad diets that are out there and eat this, not that type of thing. But really, when it comes to well-being, I would say there are a couple of major guidelines. One is whole foods. So eating things that you can pronounce and um, eating them in a whole state then uh, not too much. So within moderation and mostly plants. So if I were to give just a a general guideline for nutrition and exercise is uh, moderate exercise, as little as 10 minutes at a time scattered throughout your day. And um, those three tips for nutrition. Okay. So I know somebody is sitting there listening going, I cannot stand to exercise. I don't like to be out in nature. I don't want to go paddle on the sure. on the river on the water. So, no. what's some simple things they can do? You know, it's sort of like I talk about with um, a friend of mine. Um, she's a, a client of mine. We were talking about, you know, when you become a caregiver, sometimes you can't leave the house. So, 
we, we, we're creating this really cool thing. It's calling dating in, right? Finding things you can do for a date in. So tell us, so tell the listeners that are going, yeah, right, Pearl and Julie, I'm not doing, I, I don't want to do that. What can they do inside? There's some simple exercises. I have some thoughts, but you're the expert. Absolutely. Uh, well, sometimes I, I think everybody is an expert in their own lives, right? So I'm uh, definitely curious to hear what you have to share. But moving your body, think about all the different ways you can move your body. Maybe do you like to dance, for example? Some people really like to dance. And that is an incredible exercise. Um, if you have a sti- If you have a flight of stairs in your house, going up and down the stairs can be an incredible source of exercise. Even um, if you like to garden, gardening is physical activity and can be you're loading dirt and you're shoveling and you're doing all those things. That can be an excellent source of physical activity. I live in Minnesota right now. We just got seven inches of snow last night. Me going out and shoveling (laughs) is exercise instead of snow blowing. So thinking about those different ways to incorporate it in your day and however you want. Um, if you're moving your body, maybe it's stretching, starting with a few stretches in the morning, um, dancing, like I mentioned, there's, uh, you can get really creative with it when you start to think about what you like to enjoy. So mine definitely was dancing. I love to dance and love to put music on and just, you know, dance around the house. And especially when I'm cleaning, I feel like I have more, if you can have fun cleaning, I have more fun cleaning, you know, and and those kind of things. So definitely that was mine. And I love that. And and gardening, I have a brown thumb, but I do. I remember growing up, I used to watch my granny. We got, we were always out in the garden, always out there. She lived in upstate New York and she had this huge acreage of, of land and everything. So it was just really, yeah, awesome. So I'm glad you shared that with us. So tell, um, tell, tell the listeners, you know, what, if they're just starting out, like, you, you know, you mentioned earlier too, about, you know, this constant dying. I love the idea of whole food eating. That's just, you know, I think that's just so powerful, but let's talk about, you know, starting somebody's like, this is the first time, maybe somebody has been so healthy all their life or, or somebody has just finally said, I've had enough. I need to get my health back. And they're, and they're lost. Like where to, where to start, right? I often say, don't start big and don't overwhelm yourself because you're just going to give up faster, right? And you're going to be on this roller coaster of dieting. So share with the listeners, what are some basic things that they can start small with? Yep. That's a great question. What I, when working with folks, what I like to ask them is first starting with your ability to cook, like what recipes are in your, your wheelhouse right now. And for some folks there, there might maybe there aren't any recipes. So then we get to build that together. So get to know what you like to taste, like what flavors you like, what you like to eat. And then we'll look at one, one recipe. What skills do you need to make that recipe? How much time do you have to dedicate to cooking? So there's a lots of layers there to think about of, do you want, can you afford and, and, uh, a mail order service, for example, like that's sometimes an easier place for folks to start because they don't have to get overwhelmed by the lists and the grocery shopping and all of that. Um, if that's not available to you, you can do that on your own too. It takes a little bit more time, but it's worth it. So thinking about slowly building the, the skill set that you need to eat those foods, because that's oftentimes the biggest barrier is not knowing how to prepare the food. So you just feel lost and overwhelmed. So take it one thing, one dish that you like to eat 
Let's look at that dish. Maybe we need to swap off, out a few ingredients to make it more uh, holistic. And then practice preparing that. And once you get that dish down, start to build up other dishes, maybe some snacks in there so that you have a more well-rounded diet. But don't try to overhaul everything. Start with one meal, one dish, and then build up from there. Yeah, I totally agree. I think when you try to overhaul and everything at one time, it's just, you, that's where I think, that's where we fall off on the success, right? I, and uh-huh. I remember years ago, when I started my health journey, my big thing since like high school, I know it was like I was driving. So I remember Diet Coke was my thing and not one, but two, sure. two liters bottle. I would drink two, two liter bottles of Diet Coke a day. It was insane, insane. And finally one year, I want to say it was like 2000, um, it was 2008, I believe it was. I was like, okay, I'm going to get this up. If I can get this up now for Lent, I've, I've got this, right? And I did, I made it through. But then like you're talking about choices and when you make change, it's like having somebody, I didn't have anybody, I just did this on my own, having somebody to kind of guide you and say, okay, you're going to take this Diet Coke out here. What do you want to replace it with? I didn't have that piece. So then I went from Diet Coke to McDonald's sweet tea. <laughs> so okay. I, I was still getting sugar somehow, right? But I, I've, right. And, then, and then the problem was, I was like, this is just too, that was too sweet for me. So then I went to half and half and finally I went away to the point now I can just go and have uh, tea with nothing in it, you know, but that was like what you said, it's like start small. I didn't, and having somebody like you to guide them, Julie, is really, really important because you can get lost and then you think you're doing things right. And then all of a sudden you realize, oh, I, that was just as bad as what I was doing before. Right. And, And so would you agree? Absolutely. And it can get really sneaky. Like there's really, there's ingredients that you think something is is healthy and it's made, it's packaged in the bright green packaging. It says like organic on it or all these buzzwords. And you think, oh, this is, this has got to be great for me. But then it's full of other things that you're not quite sure (laughs) how to pronounce or what what's in there. So it can get really, it can get really tricky to, to balance out those things. And when you are trying to do it over your own, like you have your whole rest of your life that you're living. So it's hard to, to maybe find that time to think of all of the ways that maybe I should be changing. And that that's what's helpful for having some outside support is like my sole job is all about you. <laughs> and so uh, it can be nice to have that guidance. Yeah. And, you know, because it's the other thing, too, um, I want to ask about because having guidance, having somebody help you is so, so important. Having that coach, you know, whether it's health and wellness, whether it's mindset, you know, it's leadership, whatever. It's always good to have somebody to help you hone in on your skills, help you become better at what you already are doing great. And so, I also, I remember when I was doing my journey, you know, my kids, um, my, my boys are now forever 25 and my youngest is 23. And so I remember when they were little, like trying to incorporate what I can eat versus what they're eating. It like, was just like, Oh my gosh. And then I remember, I don't remember who it was, but I want to say it, I don't know who it was, but she was on some show. It may have been like Regis kind of show. And she was talking about how she takes all her vegetables 
and she sneaks them in somehow or another, the stuff for yes. the kids that they're drinking. I was like, yep. oh my gosh, you know? So talk to us, some of the listeners yeah. and some of the women that are listening and maybe have kids at home and they're trying to make these healthy changes. Like, how can you do that with the kids and how do you balance that? Yeah, absolutely. I know exactly who you're talking about. Um, There's the sneaky cookbook and it, she would blend her vegetables and and put them into the dishes. So yeah, that is one idea. I, I couldn't remember. I've yeah, never um, seen that. I think Seinfeld. Yes, 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 yes. That's her. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, so the idea is to model for your kids, right? Uh, introduce it can be t- and I have seen it many times the challenge of eating a well-balanced meal with kids and sometimes it's about getting them out the door so also be kind to yourself like pick your pick your times where you have a little bit more time to introduce new foods and uh, try introducing new foods on a on a regular basis and you might have to retrain your palate a little bit too to get used to eating vegetables again. Maybe there were foods that you really didn't like when you were a child, but our taste buds change over time. And you, you in general, start to like vegetables more over time if a vegetable is a struggle for you. Not for everybody, but for most people. So try to introduce one food at a time and, and gently encourage them to try it. And Keep encouraging them to try it, encouraging them to try it, encouraging them to try it. And it's a long game. You're playing the long game here. It's a marathon, not a short game. Uh, It's not a sprint. So go for the long game and just one bite and then they can put it away. They don't have to eat the whole thing. Just try one bite and then you're then you're okay. Um, And you can in the meantime, you can sneak in the vegetables in different ways. If you have a soup, for example, you can blend up other vegetables in a soup. Um, sweet potatoes is a really good vegetable that can blend in and add a lot of good flavor into different, different foods, depending on what you're cooking. Uh, but then always, even if the food is hidden, the vegetables are hidden, always have fruits and vegetables visible so that they can have those as a snack. If they're hungry (laughs) enough, not all children, some children actually don't do this, but most children will eat those things if they're hungry enough. Not all, but most will. So you can prepare them and, you know, depending on how much time you have, you can just wash them and put them out or you can prepare them in different ways, chop them up. Um, I've seen, I don't do this, but you can see like some people make little fun animal shapes out of the fruits and vegetables that they're really talented. And if you're creative like that, but have fun with it. And, and just remember patience is the name of the game. Like we can all, I mean, I remember a kid when I was a kid pushing my lima beans off the table and letting the cats gobble them up. <laughs> well, while you were talking, I definitely didn't eat uh, like I do now. While you were talking, I was kind of chuckling because we were, we went out to dinner with my son a, a couple weeks ago. We were talking about how picky he was eating. Like to see him eat steak to now, we're like going, he never, like the, the things he would never touch now. And then he has a girlfriend, you know, him and his girlfriend are living together and now she cooks and and she he's trying things. I'm like, oh, I need to get you a girlfriend years ago. But we were sitting at the table and we were talking over dinner this one night. And he's like, yeah, do you remember how you used to put those vegetables on there? And you would tell me I had to, I couldn't get up from the table until I ate the vegetables. I go, no, 
we didn't tell you how to eat all the vegetables. We were like, just take one bite. He goes, you never said take one bite. I was like, in his eyes, in his mind, we were saying you had to eat the whole thing. And I was like, no, I could, I looked at him and I go, I can tell you that's absolutely not correct because I grew up that when my mom was at work and my dad was in charge of cooking, oh my God, he would make stir fried rice and um, and then a bowl and he would give us a plate. Like I'm talking the big plate was full of stir fried rice. And then he would give us a bowl, almost like I had my own can of tomato soup. And I hated it. I mean, even now I think I'm going to gag when I think about it. And he would make us sit there. I'm like, you have to eat this before you get for the table. And I was like, dying. I was like, oh, every bite. And to this day, because of that, I can't stand rice. I will not do any rice to this day. So when my son told me that, I'm like, I can tell you for a fact that's not true because I remember growing up and I was like, I would never do that. But it's funny how in our head, that perception is you set this plate of vegetables or whatever down and you're telling your kid, you know, just take one bite. But their head, they see this thing as, oh my God, this is a huge bite I have to take. I just, I love how right, you put that Right, right. So you could, you could just, you could serve them the bite. Uh, and I too am not a proponent of the clean plate club. Yeah. Like, I don't think that's a great idea that can lead to a lot of disordered eating later on in life. So yeah. um, I would say it, it's encouraging trying new things. It's not cleaning the plate. <laughs> right. So, um, so as, as your clients come to you and you're working with your clients, what are some of the things what would you say the top three things are that you see that your clients are struggling today? And have you seen it different COVID versus after COVID? Yeah, that's a great question. My business started in 2021. So I, uh, I did some work um, as a personal trainer and group fitness instructor in graduate school. And then picked up again, uh, now after COVID, but so I can, I can compare those two experiences, but I would say it's, it's time, it's time and the perception of time and the competing priorities would, I would say those are the top two, the top two for folks is that, um, when you look at the time and so we always start with, again, bring it back to the why of, why this is important and thinking about the things that I I use the Eisenhower box. I don't know if you're familiar with that process of what it's a, it's a square and then it's divided into four boxes. So you look at what's urgent and important and the things that are urgent and important, you're going to the rise to the top. And this is to help with some of the prioritizing things that are urgent, but not important, you can think about delegating. So who can you delegate that task to? Things that that are not urgent and not important, those would be things that you either don't do at all, or maybe consider why you're doing them, because they're not urgent, not important, but maybe you just like to do them, and that's okay. Uh, So fit those in. And then the fourth box of it's urgent and important that gets then prioritized. So you have those four boxes that you can put things into and going through that system with my clients helps clarify then how they're spending their time for one and how much they actually need to do. What can be delegated? What can just be discarded? And what 
what you enjoy doing, but you don't necessarily need to do it right now. I love I love how you broke that down the box. I've never heard of that before. And I think that's so amazing too, that what you're doing is you're helping them understand here's what you can delegate, right? By breaking yeah. that down. This is and it's really important, you know, for for you to I for us to identify those things. And it reminds me back yeah. to how I share on here all the time that, you know, I call it CEO mom, not not stay-at-home mom or or CEO working. Um, professional, which means you're a working out of the house mother. But I hated those words, you know, stay at home mom and working mom, because you're there's you don't just stop working when you come home from the office. and You don't not work all day long when you're home. So uh, that's where I pen that phrase. But one of the things that I, you know, I know too, through that and my sister-in-law, this is where it came from, was she learned early on how to delegate with the kids and with my nephew, particularly. So what, you know, I, she took him upstairs at like four years old. He was putting his clothes away in his dresser. Now, mind you, it was a bottom drawer. It wasn't perfect, but he was learning the action of this is my responsibility. Yeah. It's not mom or dad have to do it, you know? And I just thought that was so powerful. And and when you, you just broke that down there too, because it, even if, like, let's talk about if you're an entrepreneur or you're working out of the, you know, you're professional, there's things even at your office that you think, only you can do, but you can delegate it. And if you start breaking down what those things are, right. then your time freedom comes back and there's other things that you haven't been doing that you probably needed to get done that you can start doing. I love that you gave that example too of delegating. Yeah, absolutely. And it allows you to play into your strengths. There are other people on the team or within your own home that, um, maybe do things better or like in the example with the child, like maybe they don't do things exactly how you would do them. And that's where you have to let a little bit of that control go in order to delegate. So that can be problematic if you want things done a certain way and it has to be done a certain way. So we try to loosen that up a little bit and accept like maybe it wouldn't be done exactly how you're going to do it. And is the goal to get it done? Then, then it will get done. Yeah. All right. So I, I love that my jam here is self-care and I love what you do because I know what you do too, is minds, the mindset, what's our mind, you know, around our why, and then also that self-care piece. So how do you, where do you incorporate that? I love that you break it down with the urgent, all those little boxes of cards that you gave us, you know, and delegating, but you can't delegate your self-care, right? So what would you say for you, Julie, is are you some of your top three self-care priorities for yourself personally? For myself personally, one is sleep. So I I have a bedtime. I will say that I am an adult with a bedtime. <laughs> um, and that does mean making tough choices, sometimes leaving um, parties early, leaving events early. But I have found that once I get into that routine of the set bedtime, it, it honestly has changed my life. I have so much more energy. I am so much more present when I am awake, um, that it, it is worth setting the bedtime and getting, you know, the comments about (laughs) having a bedtime It's worth it. So the first one is sleep. And then the second one is a mindfulness activity. And so sometimes for some folks, mindfulness, um, especially if you've experienced trauma, can be 
not a place where you want to start. So if you have experienced trauma in your life, you want to practice with a therapist or with a coach to make sure that you're finding the right mindfulness activities for you um, to work through that trauma, because otherwise it can bring up um, unease and feelings that might cause more damage and not helpful. But the mindfulness activities that I like to do, like loving kindness, has been really helpful for me. Um, So that's what it looks like for me is loving kindness meditations, morning gratitude practice. For you, it could be prayer or it could be focusing on breathing or it could be a body scan to release tension, but whatever mindfulness activity. So that really helps me start my day off. So I start my day off with that. I start my day off, you know, the sleep um, and then mindfulness and then also physical activity every day, even if it's 10 minutes. I, I start my day with five to 10 minutes of physical activity so that I've included physical activity in my day. And I feel so much better uh, when I do that. So a lot of my routine, my success throughout the day is how I start my day with, and then I guess my night too, <laughs> sleeping, right. you know, having, having those that sleep and then starting the day off and setting myself up for success with my mindset through my meditation and mindfulness and through moving my body, energizing myself to get ready for the day. Yeah. I think we often forget about how important sleep is. I think, I, and I love that you're like, even if I'm at a party, I've got my bedtime and, and owning that, right? Like we have to own that. Yeah. I think that's really, really powerful and keeping, keeping to those boundaries that we set for ourselves. It's funny. You were talking about meditation. I love meditation. I um, learned how to meditate with a dear friend of mine. Her name is Sharon RG and she has a company called Mending Meditation. And I had never meditated before in my life. So I took her a 30 day course learning how to meditate. And she teaches you how to meditate with no music, just your just your brain, right? Which was so right. powerful. It was so, so powerful. Yeah. And I remember that during one meditation, um, my mother-in-law and my aunt and my uncle, my, which is on my husband's side, but we were, I was so close to them, they all came to my in my meditation. And it was like, like they came forward. And so when my son passed last July, I kind of pulled back from the, my meditation because I was like, Ooh, because I was I'm so into it because of what the tools she taught me. I was afraid that he was going to show up. Right. And she's like, Pearl, you're going to be OK. Don't you know, don't worry when the time's right. It will. You know, that, those things happen. And I know some of the listeners will be like, oh, that's cuckoo or whatever. But that's how deep I was. I get into my meditations. now. I really completely get relaxed. And and it was funny that my husband just recently said that I might want to do some of that because he's struggling with some things too, with the loss of our son. And, um, and I was like, okay, I'll connect you with Sharon because I'm not teaching you how to meditate. <laughs> That's not my jam. But when I was doing that course with him, um, I usually do it up here in my office. I have a whole little section here in my office. And this one yeah. time, I think, I don't know why I decided to do it down in our room. I think I was just really tired. I was like, I'll just sit down here. And that was when my, my, aunt, my mother-in-law, they all, the three of them came forward. And he said to me, he goes, I came out, he goes, what are you doing that meditation? I'm like, what do you mean? And he goes, cause at one point you were laughing. And the next thing I know, I heard you crying. I'm like, you could hear that. And he's like, yeah. I'm like, oh my gosh. And so when I was talking to Sharon, she goes, yeah, she goes, I was, because what she does is she watches you on zoom to see how you're doing so that, you know, she's there if you need her. And as you're learning this and she's like, yeah, I watched you go through all these great emotions and really for me, and this is what meditation has become for me, 
it's releasing those emotions that I've kind of like buried deep down, right? It's allowing them to kind of come up for me. Yeah. Yeah. Thank you for sharing that story. And I'm, I'm sorry for your, for your loss of of your son. And um, I'm glad that you shared that story because meditation, as I mentioned, if it's not trauma informed, so you, like those are significant traumas that you've had in your life and that practitioner knows that. And so she's there to guide you, but someone that might dive into it, um, during maybe they have an app on their phone and they're just like, Oh, this looks good. (laughs) They might get into it and experience those things, but then not have someone to guide them through the process. So I typically like to start with a breathing meditation for folks. Um, just focusing in and out on the breath. And that typically is is a safer meditation or mindfulness exercise to begin with. But you always want to be checking in with yourself and what what is um, what can be revealed during meditation can be traumatic at times. Yeah, that's so true. That's why I loved I was so glad she could because like I said, I'd never done it before. And now I'm like, okay, uh-huh. I can sit. I've sat sometimes for an hour just with my quietness of my thoughts, you know, and it's so, so powerful. So Julie, one of the things that we, uh, we have a small community, it's called the Shira League, and it's a group of women that have come together to work on self-care, to work on, you know, their why and all the things that we're talking here today. And, and we actually did this thing. um, I think it was just near the end of COVID. We did this hundred days of walking exercising. We had to walk a hundred days. And so we do things like that. And it came because before COVID, I had started doing retreats, which I still do. We're having our seventh annual pajama retreat this September. And so during those retreats, everybody was like, hey, what can we do to, you know, carry this, you know, this friendship on? And so we kind of did the Shira League, but it wasn't on Zoom. And then, of course, COVID hit and we thought, oh, let's do this on Zoom. And I found the need for it even more at that time because I was watching mainly women who are trying to balance, you know, if they were trying to work and then be a teacher and all these things that they did not do before. I watched them in this overwhelm and this anxiety. And so we decided to really bring it forward. And now we've kept it. And so one of the things that we're working on in there is this, you know, we all start January and February with goals and we, you know, we create these these things that I'm going to do, these resolutions and everything. And I just like, I'm not bothered with January and February can, you know, that's when I'll start thinking about it. Right. Cause I'm like, January is no different than December for me. Right. So right now we're working on the 10 things that bring them joy. So they had to break down a list of 10 things that bring them joy, but it's not just the thing Like they had to break down. Why does it bring you joy? Like within yourself, what in your core is making you bring you that joy. And so they had to make a list of 10 things. So I want to ask you, Julie, what are your top three things that bring you joy and why do they bring you joy? I love that. And one of the core values of Empower Possible is joyful success. So that is right in line with um, what I believe in and what I want to get out, the message that I want to get out. Um, The top things that bring me joy off off the top of my head, one is my family, even the ups and downs and roller coasters of those family dynamics. I, I bring, it brings me a lot of joy to be able to be with them and be with my nieces and nephews and um, with the folks that have known me from the very beginning, (laughs) for better or for worse. 
but my family brings up brings me great joy. And I mentioned I live in I live by Lake Superior, so seeing the sunrise in the morning off the lake also brings me a lot of joy, and it reminds me to take a couple deep breaths and uh, just the beauty of nature and thinking about um, our the connection with nature and the beauty of nature, uh, and then. I can't get it off my mind. Uh, right now, the snow is bringing me a lot of joy. I get to go snowshoeing and skiing. So those are the, the top three things of the moment. So so you have a lot of snow right now? Is that what you're saying? Yeah, we've got almost 30 inches. Wow. Oh, my yeah. gosh. So I never did snowshoeing before. It sounds like it's a lot of fun. It It is a lot of fun. I think you either love it or you hate it. Gotcha. And I love it. <laughs> So. so I love that you said too about your family you know, and the nature and, and, and that, so for the listeners, I can't see Julie, she, her face just lit up when she talked about that sun rising. And I feel the same way. That's why I really believe like in our self-care, you know, you have to, and we talk about this in the Shirley, you have to put that cape on so tight that you actually can button it in the back of you. And then once you've done that, you've snugged yourself in and your self-care, then you can start giving power, more of your power to the family, friends, and the things that you love. And so I loved that you talked about with the family and, and, and putting them together. And, and then one of the things that my family used, I, I still do it to this day is I, cause we're at the beach in Florida, not the snow. I go on a staycation and I just grab a hotel room for like a night or two up here at the beach. And I love to watch the sunset over the ocean. It's so, it's so relaxing and just, you know, breathtaking and all of that joy and that, and that wonderment of like, you know, there's so many things that you have that you can do. It's just waiting for you to go after the sun and, and to chase it. And so I love that you reminded us of that as well. So now the other thing they're doing is they're, you know, we create these to-do lists. I got to do laundry. I got to, you know, run this errand. I got to turn this report in all these things that we're putting together. Right. We are working on a not to-do list and the not to-do list is to take the things that you do all the time, kind of like what you did with the box, right? And yeah. say, these things have to go on that list because if I don't stop doing these things, I'm not going to be able to go out to nature. I'm not going to be able to go shoot, shoot snowshoeing. I'm not going to be able to spend time with my family. So Julie, we want to know what's on your not to-do list. On my not to-do list is to not should on myself. That's that's the top one. That's the top one. I when I get in that mindset of I should be doing this, I should be doing that. Um, that's really when I start. I can start to spiral into getting out of my goals, getting out of my own sense of purpose and meaning. Because then I'm prioritizing these things that aren't necessary for my thriving. <laughs> so that that's my my top one. I, that's a great one. And I don't know. I think I maybe have had one other person say that you're stop shooting on myself. I love that because we do. I yeah. should do this. I should lose weight. I should exercise. I should all these things. And it's not about that. I'm starting those things. I'm starting to, you know, get healthier. I'm starting to do some exercise, you know, or I enjoy yeah. exercise because I know people hear exercise is like the four letter word or something. Right. It's like you can, right. you can, like we said earlier, you can find fun things to do around exercise. So yeah. now, we're going to break through the Shiro and what it means. And I, Julia, I want you, as we go through this, I'm going to, um, we'll try to tie it between you and your clients to kind of share your perspective, okay, on what you do as well. 
So the S in Shiro stands for strong. I, I believe that once we start, you know, we figure out what our joy is and we've gotten those things on our not-to-do list, then we can start building that strength to say, you know what? I've got my boundaries. My fence is up. I'll open the gate when I'm ready to open the gate and I'm strong enough to open the gate. But right now I'm standing and I'm starting to stand in who I am. So when you think about strong and, the, and strength, what would you say that as you work with your clients, that you, how do you guide them, encourage them through finding their inner strength? Yeah, I actually, I have a worksheet that has been adapted from different strength finders type of activities where they will go through the worksheet and identify their top strengths. And then they ask people around them to identify what they think their top strengths are. And then that builds a list. And then we narrow it down together as far as what are your your strengths and how do you live those strengths out? So that is absolutely vital to to setting yourself up for success. So I love that that's the first letter of Shiro's because um, everyone has strengths. And sometimes we forget that we're different than other people. We forget that what we do is unique and how we do it is unique. Like you and I might have the same top strengths, but how we live those strengths out is different. And right. so reminding folks that there is a uniqueness that they bring and there is a reason why they do the things that they do. And there is a way that they can contribute meaningfully to, right. to the world. Yeah. I, I love that you said, I love that you also said like, help, have somebody else point that out to them, like what their, what their strengths are for somebody else too, because um, this hair is in my eyes. Sorry. <laughs> We're real on this show, you guys. Um, so I love like and getting others because sometimes, you know, and I find this with the girls, the women that I work with is that they don't, they, they don't know what their strengths are. They get lost on that. Right. And so to have somebody else to say, well, this is your strength. You know, you're, you are these things. It's really can become empowering. I love that you, that you share that. So the next one yeah. is H. And I feel like as you start finding your strength and you're starting to, you know, step into your, you're starting to find that superpower of who you are. H is happiness. You start, you're starting to feel happier. You're starting to feel like, oh, I can have the life I want. And it's starting to bring you that joy, right? Which is why we break down the things that bring us joy. So when you think about happiness, what are you, when you work with, for yourself or your clients, when you work with them or you're working on your own, you know, inner self, what's some of the things that you can say through the journey brings happiness to them? And how do you, you know, sometimes, okay, so sometimes people, especially if you're talking about the number on a scale, sometimes people get so wrapped up around a number of scale that they can't be happy that they've lost four pounds of fat, right? They can't be happy because that number on a scale. And I remember I would have clients come in and we we would, we, you know, we had a scale. We back, That's when I just used to concentrate on weight loss. And they would, I never did the scale first because I was like, I want to know how your week was, what's your mindset like? And let's talk about what were your successes, what were your challenges. And so they would always be like, they couldn't wrap their head around until a few weeks after working with me, why we don't do the scale, you know? Right. So when you're working with your clients, how do you help, help them find that happy happiness and that happy medium while they're on this journey? Yeah. The first thing is we have a discussion about the definition of happiness because when I'm working with clients, 
I make it really clear, like happiness isn't the yellow smiley face. Happiness is the feeling that you have when you're reaching your full potential, which means it's work. And work isn't the opposite of happiness. So that's the first thing is we get really clear on their how they define happiness for themselves and what that means in their own life. So getting past that, um, what we've been told about happiness and how we define it isn't helpful because it's not achievable. So thinking about happiness and how that is, it is work and it is, it does involve purpose and meaning. I keep bringing that up. Um, so that's the first thing we get clear is on the definition of happiness. And then the second part is breaking down myths of happiness. And you hit on one myth. One of the myths of happiness is that it's external, that once you receive a certain goal, then you'll be happy. Once you lose a certain amount of weight, then you'll be happy. Once you get a new car, you'll be happy. And the truth is, is um, it's not a destination. Happiness isn't a destination. And yes, you might feel happier for a few moments, but then think about how long that happiness lasts. It's not very long. So when you think about happiness as a journey, and that like I like to say, um, if you're running away from your life, you think, okay, I'm going to go on vacation. Everything is going to be better. You go on vacation. Guess what? Your mind's still with you. <laughs> All of those things are still with you. You can't go on vacation from your mind. So get your mindset right. And then uh, that will make that vacation much more enjoyable because you can't outrun your mind. So really thinking about happiness as a, as a mindset, as a journey, um, is really helpful because when we think of it as a destination, you're never going to be fulfilled. I love that you said your mind still goes with you. <laughs> it still shows up there. So we got to get that straight first. So I love that you shared that. So then the next letter is E and it stands for empowered. And so, you know, as you become stronger and your happiness is starting to shine through, that's when you really are becoming empowered to be like, I'm going to do these things that I, I want to accomplish. I'm going to go open a business. I'm going to go ask for that promotion, whatever that is. So what does empowerment mean to you, Julie? Uh, and it, it's in the name, right? Empower possible. So empowerment for me means, means having the confidence to live into your full potential. And that's what it is. That's that, that confidence for sure. And so and. Yeah. The R is radiance. And I st- I stole this from uh, somebody I podcasted with. And I told him I'm going to use that. She gave me permission. And really, the radiance is like when you glow up. Like you are, everything is starting to, you know, everything, the engine's starting to run really well. Almost all four wheels are going really great. Like people are going, ooh, what's happening with Julie? Ooh, bro, you're looking a little yeah. different. Like what's happening there? People are noticing the new, the new you that's emerging, right? And these new superpowers you yeah. have. So when you think about radiance and glowing up, when you see that in your clients, what do you see? Like, I, I know I get really proud. It's almost like my little babies, right? As they grow up, it's like, oh, look at them. You know, they're doing the Shira method. Their roadmap is working so great for them, right? So tell us for you, what's, what is that with for you? What do you see in your clients when that happens? It's a combination of seeing and then the words that they use to describe themselves. So it's, it's about um, going back to that confidence. They're just, they're more assertive in their decisions. They're more assertive and confident in um, 
sharing their accomplishments because sometimes that can be challenging for some of the folks that I work with is that, that there's they think pride is a bad thing and they're not they're not willing and able to express that. So it's their ability to express their wins, how they talk about um, themselves in a positive way, not not so negative, and how the recognition of progress. So their ability to recognize their wins are really when someone becomes really radiant. Those are the changes that I see. And it's so cool. I love that you, you brought that up too, because it's so cool to watch how especially when I'm coaching and I'm, you know, for you just described it too, to watch the words they use, to really like watch yeah. them stand in that. You're like, Oh, it's like at our retreat. So we do a, the pajama retreat every year. You come on a Thursday late afternoon and we leave on early Monday morning. And so we do no makeup for a reason. We take the makeup off because we want you to get to everything like right away because you hide behind something. You can't start breaking everything down. And when people, it's fun to watch the ladies in the room go, Oh, She's got stuff she's dealing with. It's not the same as mine, but it's almost like my stuff. You know, when you start recognizing yeah. that we're not alone. And then as the weekend right. progresses and you start watching them like embrace one another. And if somebody's saying, if somebody's still saying something negative about themselves, this person comes in and goes, no, this is what I'm seeing in you. You know, it's so cool. We did this exercise last year and we're going to, I'm not going to give the secret away because some of them are listening, but we're going to do something similar to it this year. But last year, all the ladies came in and they laid on the floor and we drew a, a picture. We weren't best, you know, we weren't the best artists, but we drew their body on, on the outside. And what we did was we hung them out all around the house and all the attendees, their job was to go write positive affirmations that they saw about this person. And normally every year at the retreat, we do a makeover. So somebody wins a makeover at the retreat. We have, um, usually we have a makeup artists and we always typically have a hairstylist with us and so last year our 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 normal hairstylist she couldn't make it and it was like it, i really left it up it was a god thing because we were go in the gulf shores of alabama i'd called three different people i finally got one said she could come and then she called me and she said her daughter went into labor three weeks early so she couldn't oh, come no. so we decided what well, you know and so we're sitting here the team and i were like okay, we're not going to do, we can't do a makeover because I can't do hair and, and I certainly don't have anybody to do makeup. So we decided, that's why we decided to do the body things because we decided when that happened, this all happened before the attendees arrived, we decided to give them their each their own makeover. So what we did is that that last Sunday night before everybody got ready to go pack up their stuff for Monday leaving, we took their sheets off the wall. They sat next to me and I read them to them. And to wow. watch those ladies like go, wow, you saw that in me? Wow. I always thought I had that, but I wasn't sure. To watch them like just stand up into that, it was so empowering. I just loved it. So Aww. it's, you know, and that's, it's so fun to watch as a coach, watch that transformation, to watch, you know, even I, when I went through it, to, to, to recognize, wow, you know, I am more than a mom and a wife. I am, you know, somebody who loves to help others see, who they are to the core and become that Shira of their life. And so it's so much fun to do that. And so now the last letter we have to get to is, Oh, and that's original. So, you know, when we're born, we come in here, we we're all original. We have our, our color of our skin, our hair or no hair, chubby or not chubby, whatever you are as a baby, but that's your original self. That's who you are down deep inside. So oftentimes as we go through life, things come in our way and we start to lose who we are 
our authentic self starts to get buried from trauma and things that we've talked about here today. And so as you go through the first letters of the word Shiro, by the time you get to the O, you are standing in that original self. You are standing in who you were really meant to be. That I believe when we come into this world, you know, God has said, this is, this is who you're going to be. These are your talents. I'm giving them to you, but it's your job to go work on them and, and do them. And so I feel like if you don't do that, you cheat yourself, but then you're also not giving it to others. So you're cheating those of us around you. So I feel like when we get to the letter O, you are becoming that original self. You are becoming more authentic and you are standing in who that person is. And so what does like being, you know, I've heard people talk about authentic in so many different ways, but Julie, to you, what does it mean to be your authentic self? I think it means the ability to get in touch with your intuition and following that. So, so often we have this little voice inside of us and maybe, I mean, maybe you call it God, maybe you call it the universe, maybe you call it whatever you want to call it, but it's this little, this little voice, maybe it comes through and like you said, in your mindfulness activities, we all, I believe we all have that, but it gets drowned out. It gets drowned out by all of the noise. And sometimes we push it down because we don't want to hear it. So being into your authentic self is really listening to that voice. And maybe it's a feeling for me. It's always, it's a, it's always a feeling like I'll get a feeling on the the hairs on the back of my neck, or I'll get goosebumps. And it's just, it's a sign for me to tune in to what's ever going on. Like I really need to tune in and hear that message. Um, so for me, it shows up physically. Um, and it's not necessarily a, a voice, but it's a physical presence that I feel. Um, so you're th- for me, being authentic is listening to that intuition. Maybe you call it an inner voice. I call it intuition. Um, but tuning into that and not not suffocating it. Yeah. And that's, uh, that's exactly for me what it is too, because you're right. We have, it's, it's, it's a feeling or whatever, you know, it happens. And, you know, um, when my son, Matt passed the night that he passed, we had talked to him like five, like 20 minutes before he passed on the phone. And I always, so we have like a sectional and my husband has a recliner and I always sit at the end of the sectional near his recliner. You know, that's just where we sit. And the night that he passed, after we talked with him, I just felt something wasn't right. And I moved over to the opposite end of the couch. There was something that told me to move over here. I don't know why. And then all of a sudden, like I was shaking tremendously these, like never before to the point my husband's like, you have to calm down. You're going to have a heart attack. And I was like, this is not health. This is not none of that. I just feel like something's, something's wrong. Like I just felt that. That's that's why I tell all my friends and our parents, like, Trust me, when something's wrong with your kids, you're going to know it. And that's how I've always been. And he said to me, he goes, you know, once we found out the next day our son had passed, he's like, I should have known. Because I said to him, we got to go find him. I'm like, we got to get up and go. He, and he was like, and he was right. Where are we going to go look? We, you know, we don't have GPS. He's 25 years old. We don't track their phones anymore. And so yeah. he said to me, he goes, I should have known. Because he said, all we've been together almost 40 years. All our lives, he said, you will talk to somebody and you're like, yep, nope, not, not going to go there to the point that like when his sister was like 12 years old, I know she was, she was a senior in high school. She was dating somebody and we had never met him. We were living in California. She wanted us to talk and meet him on the phone because we're going to be coming out for a graduation. And after we hung up, I told my husband, I go, I don't like him. 
there's something about him that's just not right. And and Chuck's like, what? And so he said, he goes, I've learned to listen when you say you feel I go with you, you know, and, and, and he says, I don't question anymore. And I like that you said that because it can be a feeling. It could be the hair, whatever that is. And it's yeah. good as as women, as men, as whoever you are, if you're a young adult, when you have that feeling to not push it aside because it's there for a reason. So I'm glad you you brought that one up. That was that was really, really great. So I appreciate that. So that's what a shiro yeah. is, ladies and gentlemen, that are listening to us. That is actually what a shiro is. And if you want to learn more about being a shiro, all you have to do is email hello at wsliving.com. Again, hello at wsliving.com. And just type in the subject Shiro and we'll get you more information on that. So Julie, I'm looking at the at the time. We're we're winding down our time, but I want everybody to know, tell everybody before we get to the cards, where can everybody find you and how do they how do they get in touch with you? And we're gonna share everything too. So don't feel like you have to write this down. We're gonna share this as well. But Julie, share that with everybody. You can you can find me online. So I'm on Instagram and Facebook at Empower Possible. I'm also on LinkedIn, Julie Zaruba Fountain. And then I have a website with some freebies on there. So if you go to my website, empowerpossible.com, you can sign up for the free newsletter, check out some of the free courses. That is so awesome. So we'll make sure everybody has that. So now we're going to do our cards, ladies and gentlemen. I gave Julia forewarn. She knows about the better questions, betterlife.com questions. So go get your cards. These are just amazing. And here's what we're going to do. We're going to shuffle them. And Julia, you're going to tell me when to stop. Okay, so here we go. Oh, this is a good one. Am, are you being true to, your, to myself? Am I being true to myself? Yeah, I think um, right now with the starting of my business and or being actually now over uh, in business a couple of years, I am being true to myself. It really feels good um, to be living into my strengths and all of the Shiro values um, I identify with. So, yeah, I, yes, I would say yes. Yay. I love it. That's so, yeah. And I'm, you know, that's, I love what you do. And I think more, I, I want everybody to go to your website and follow you and because it's really important to have somebody in your corner to help you navigate these things, especially this, what did you call the box part again, Julie? What was that system called? It's called the Eisenhower method or Eisenhower box. So I didn't invent it. It existed. What I've been told is that President Eisenhower used that to make decisions. That's so, it's such a great method. And I just, I just love that. I'm going to, I'm going to try to incorporate some of that in my life too. So I just want to thank you again, Julie, for joining us today. I want to thank you for taking the time out to be with me and having this conversation with us today. And those that are listening, as you close out your your notes that you took today at the at during our session, I just want to remind everybody that if you we have four spots left on our retreat, we're going to have 25 women. It is our biggest ever, ladies. And if you are waiting till September, you're going to miss out. We have four spots left. We are literally on the beach. We have our own private access to the beach. We have a beautiful beach house and it's in the Gulf Shores of Alabama, September 14th to the 18th. It's easy packing. You just need pajamas, no makeup. You can go home and what you arrive in. That's how simple your packing can be. So we just want to remind you that you come into this world. You are this little rough oyster on the outside. Your shell's got some things that has to go through. But as you open up and you find that inner self, 
you will find your inner pearl of greatness. And I hope you all go out today and find your inner pearl and be the Shiro you are meant to be. Have an amazing day.